The 4D Podcast is a program dedicated to the diverse world and colorful history of alcoholic beverages. Some language and topics may not be suitable for all ages. Please remember to drink responsibly and always use a designated driver. Check it out. Sunday afternoon, and we're not going to get four deep, Greg. We're just going to get one or two deep because we are doing our first ever supplemental podcast. Uh, I am your host, Blake Hernandez, joined as always by Gregory Dupuis. Say hi, Greg. What's up, everybody? I have a cocktail that is enough to fill four drinks, so I guess I am going to get four deep. You know, hearkening way back to the Daiquiri podcast, you said that you hated frozen shit yeah this isn't a daiquiri though what is it this is a margarita oh you son of a bitch splitting hairs <laughs> whatever it's whatever. so it's so icy it's so icy and look it's <laughs> fucking hot as balls outside it so really is it i really felt is. like i deserved this today joining us via the phenomenal technology of the cell phone we have uh <laughs> we have a uh, vincent Heights. say hi vince hey how's it going guys yeah, so basically the reason that we uh, have Vince here is he is rejoining us. Uh, he is a past and future guest. And basically what happened was uh, not too long ago, uh, it actually feels like a hell of a long time ago, we recorded the next episode of the podcast. It was the fourth or fifth drink. Oh, no, we're almost done with that. Flight. Oh, it was like the sixth or seventh. Yeah, uh, yeah We actually, this was, the I think, the seventh drink. The seventh drink of the fourth flight. This is like 30, we were in like the 34 range, yeah, right? Yeah, this is episode, okay. this is, this, what you're listening to right now, kids, is episode 34.2. There it is, there it is. Nice. So, here's the long and the short of it. We wanted to take- the- I'm the long and he's the short of it. We're out of here. Oh, and we're oh, both wow. tuna can thick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So uh, basically what happened was, for the first time ever, after 30-something episodes, we decided to take the 4D podcast on the road. And uh, we went to our buddy Vince's house, and we recorded in his guest room. We went down to New Orleans, and uh, we drew out of uh, Blake's Magic Sack the Paloma. We will get into that in depth. But basically what happened was, Gregory and myself... Vincent and our other good friend, who is a uh, another bartender and good friends with Vince, uh, Brett Tilden. The four of us went out. We went to four remarkable New Orleans craft cocktail bars. We had this drink in its purest, best representation I feel possible, and uh, we got a really good gauge of uh, of uh, what we thought of this drink. The only problem was we got a little wasted, and when we got back, the wasted part actually had nothing to do with it, but. Because it was a new room, it was a new environment, our equipment did not react that well to said environment, and basically most of the audio that we recorded is rubbish. So what we have decided to do, we wanted to give this drink its due, make sure that it got its own you know, proper amount of time spent as far as the fourth flight went. We wanted to discuss it in detail. We wanted to invite Vince back for that. And we also, we did want to release the podcast itself, which we're going to do a couple of days from when this one drops 
in all of its imperfect glory. Uh, we're warning everybody now that it is pretty tough to listen to, but there are some real gems in that uh, that episode that you can kind of glean from here and there throughout the audio. If you've ever pressed your ear up to a rustling paper bag, <laughs> that's about what it sounds like. Oh, man. And wow. if that paper bag was very drunk... <laughs> Go home, paper bag. You're drunk. Yeah, we're getting close to there. And you know what? Yeah, fuck it. You'll find out. Yeah, basically, uh, I think this was very much a, a one-time thing. It was a first for us. Hopefully not going to happen again. Well, we'll improve our remote technology, and we'll be able to get a lot better at, at, at our recording. Because if, if that first episode was any indicator, there's obviously a wealth of opportunity for this podcast and the city of New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, they go together like, uh, what, lamb and tuna fish, I think uh, is the saying. Yeah, peas and peanut butter. So um, <laughs> let's uh, let's just get to it. So Sex and Germans, that's how they go together. <laughs> Angry sex and Germans, be specific. So, okay, guys, we, uh, we, we did not have a German cocktail this time around. We, we had a very, very south-of-the-border cocktail. We had the Paloma. Uh, if you haven't had it before, it is a very, very simple cocktail of tequila, generally Blanco, along with grapefruit soda, uh, which is something that is very, very popular in uh, Central America. A lot of folks in the States that don't have the brands of grapefruit soda that they use will often use fresh squeezed grapefruit, a little bit of soda, a little bit of lime juice. That is it. It is a very, very simple cocktail. You can also do a little salt rim if you like. Uh, there's not a lot of history behind it. It's just kind of one of these things. It's not like a margarita where there's an argument over the specific cantina and how there was the baroness who thought she came up with it at a dinner party and all this other shit. The Paloma was just, everybody likes grapefruit soda. There is a vast amount of tequila down in Mexico and Central America. They put their favorite soda together with their favorite spirit. End of story. You know what it kind of reminds me of is the... Um... It, it's it's like south of the borders version of the Tom Collins. Okay, yeah, I can kind of see that. And the reason I say that is because Tom Collins calls for a a carbonated lemonade right. or a lemon soda. You're talking about like in uh, in relation of what uh what else it reminds you of uh, if you'd like to switch spirits, which is a huge thing to do in a lot of places. You could have, you could have a classic cocktail, but switch your base spirit. The Paloma really reminds me, really in between of what a Greyhound. Yeah, and a salty dog, and a salty dog could be because some places like to add salt to it. Very true. I think it's I, I think it's just a combination of having that fruit with the salt uh, with the salt mixed together, which I know is a huge thing in Central America and in Asia, but obviously incorporated with cocktails. So you know, vodka be associated with uh, with uh, tequila this time, and blanco tequila at that because you don't want anything aged. I don't think it would react the same way. Yeah. Yeah. None of the four that we had, we all stayed very, very light on the uh, on the color spectrum of tequilas. Yeah. Uh, the 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 salt and uh, fruit thing. I got to be honest with you, is awesome in my opinion. I am a uh, yeah. I'm a big big fan of it. Well, you hate grapefruit, so I know you're really you're really an anti grapefruit guy. So am I, actually. Yeah. While we're discussing just our overall general impressions of the four that we had that day, I was looking. I'm, I'm always trying to find, and we talked about this in Tequila Sunrise episode, but I'm always looking for different avenues for tequila. And okay. when I found the Paloma, it was something that I hadn't really tried before. Since the initial recording of the episode, I don't know if it's just because we're more 
uh, used to seeing it now because we've done this episode, but I feel like I see it everywhere now. Sure. And I think that just because of the season it is. No, go ahead and say it. Like you, you started. The oh yes, I discovered it. Yeah, I practically invented it. No, you yeah. did it. You, you, <laughs> Blake, Blake was up. Blake was up in Oregon for a little while. And he uh, he started people liking the Paloma. He he was drinking that before people thought it was cool in Oregon. I love. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm an old man. That's my only reference to where hipsters live and operate. The true definition of a hipster, right there. It's amazing. Look, I'll I, I'll wear the flag, knowing full well that <laughs> on the on the scale, if if there's if there's a scale of hipster as there is like autism, I'm way on I'm way more on the Aspergers to normal end. Than I am on the full-on Rain Man, like handlebar mustache, make my own soap and toothpaste. But uh, so I'm basically uh, I'm going to try and remember as best as uh, we can the uh, the four different varieties that we had. <laughs> um, it's going to be pretty difficult. I'll have you guys help me out, but yeah, one sure. I, what I'm really going to talk about amongst the four, I will be of no help. <laughs> It's difficult to remember purely because it has nothing to do with the passage of time. It has to do with the fact that immediately after we did this podcast, Vincent threw a party that we all got righteously, righteously fucked up at. And so, (laughs) well, what I'm going to, instead of going after uh, our favorite, our least favorite, I think I'm going to go over like the general trends that we had of the Paloma. Uh, I think sure. the first one being the utilization and the almost necessity for this drink with Blanco tequila. And it was something, Vince, if you want to extrapolate a little bit more on it, it was a great, great conversation that we had just talking about kind of the different the different levels, the different species or subsets of tequila, if you will, and why the Blanco actually did kind of fit this drink better than any of the others. I like to think, so from Blanco, then you have uh, Reposado and Anejo. Blanco being, you know, six months age and less. Uh, Reposado being from six months to three years. And Anejo being three years and above. Uh, you can look at it like, you know, scotch or bourbon or uh, any kind of Irish whiskeys or scotch. Basically, um, you want something that's uh, that's more susceptible to mixing with something as opposed to uh, having something that's aged. It's much more standalone, so you can drink it by itself. So maybe a little water, a little ice to let it exude a little bit. Exactly. So I believe yeah. like uh, having a little Blanco tequila to a cocktail like this, it, it allows you to shine uh, any other flavor that it is Blanco. You're basically using this as a spirit and as a very base only. It's not like you're mixing it with a, a separate liqueur, like let's say a triple sec or uh, or maybe another base liqueur like gin or rum, you know. It's just a Blanco tequila as your base. Uh, you want to let the grapefruit shine, uh, the effervescence, either a soda or like chocolate soda water, to a completely, like, complete as a whole cocktail. Very much like a very much like a summer cocktail, come to think of it, too. Uh, definitely, because, definitely. Yeah, uh, something, something you can drink all day. I could totally see that cocktail in terms of, a, you know, having the Blanco tequila in it. To even use it as a punch, you could totally make a Paloma punch and make everybody happy all throughout a party, you know? Uh, so That's not a thing. terrible idea, yeah. I think, like, yeah, uh, yeah to just kind of nail that home, and it's something that has kind of become, in, in my experience anyway, with me buying stuff from my uh, place that I work at, tequila yeah. is starting to move further and further into this, like, whiskey like bourbon territory they've invented extra añejo as a new what longer than six years i think yes. they they call extra añejo now that's something that wasn't yeah. around even 10 years ago 
And a lot of the big guys are starting to do these. Like I know Avion has one. I just tasted Don Julio's new one. And with that, they're really trying to get sophisticated with tequila and they're trying to get people to treat it like bourbons. But at the same time, just like you can do with bourbon, you don't want to ruin. And it's something that we, we kind of fall into a lot of times with a lot of the drinks that, uh, that we've done up to this point. There's kind of that threshold in your head of if I'm going to spend this much on a shot of bourbon, I'm not going to make a cocktail with it. Exactly. I think tequila uh, definitely falls into that category. But not only that, you can still have kind of expensive golds. They're not gold tequila isn't going to get that crazy expensive, but there's some blancos right. out there that get, you know, pricey quick. And I think that's oh, yeah. I think that's a big thing to nail home that this drink Expensive tequilas need not apply. Right. It's the same concept behind a, a, a Bloody Mary or, you know, what's the other drink that we were talking about? Well, I think margarita. I think margarita Mar- kind of falls it. in no, the same margarita, situation. Yeah. The, the exact same thing. You can pay for a higher end alcohol in the cocktail, but it really doesn't make a difference that much with all the other ingredients. As a matter of fact, you really want something that doesn't necessarily have that much of a flavor profile compared to your ingredients because the ingredients are what you want to shine. And that's an excellent point. And that was the the big thing in looking at that comparison. If you look at a margarita, a margarita functions properly with a Blanco, with a Gold, or even with a Reposado tequila. They, they all function as margaritas and right. they bring something different to the table. I think with a Paloma... Once you introduce more age and more wood, to me, it not only isn't worth it, right? it just doesn't work. Well, look at the scotch cocktails that we've had. Right. You know, yeah. It's the same concept. When the scotch is full-bodied and full-flavored, you're, you have this fight, this battle between the flavor of the scotch and the other flavors of the drink, and it doesn't necessarily work. I, I'd rather something to where one is the star and the other is the background. I mean, let's be honest here. When you drink the Paloma, you don't tell yourself, man, I want to have some really good tequila with just a slight hint of grapefruit. Right. No, you, uh, you're no. having a Paloma because you want the the effervescence and you want the light, fruity flavor, and you also want a good tequila. It doesn't have to be shit tequila, for God's sakes. Exactly, but, yeah. but you don't want something that's going to be overpowering. You still want the grapefruit no. to shine. Right. Should definitely, we should definitely treat tequila like you would say, like you treat a scotch or a bourbon in the same stages that you would now. Like you want to make a, like, you know, you just, that was a really good example, the scotch cocktail. You want to get like, uh, you know, uh, a Rob Roy or a uh, Blood in the Sand. You're not going to get, you know, uh, a, highlight, a highlight fucking scotch or something. That's crazy. You drink that by itself. They'll drink, they'll drink a nice blended scotch, you know, whether it's doers, whether you're going a little higher up doing something like Monkey Shoulder. And this is, this is as far as you'll go up because you want the entire thing as a package to shine through, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just you, you're wasting good liquor. You know, something we talked about, too, it, it, it's interesting to bring up, and I, I remember this conversation from the podcast, the original podcast. We went into a long discussion about tequila and how supposedly a lot of tequila manufacturers, their Blancos are their best quality products out the gate. And then everything else that they age is, is their secondary product. That they just put into barrels. Their, their their main goal is to get a beautifully crisp, clean Blanco out the door. And then everything else, they'll just stick in barrels to age. Um, you can look at tequila production the same way that you look at, say, like olive oil. That first press, extra virgin, that's your top of the line. And then 
after you press it again a couple more times with your inferior, you know, maybe discolored olives and stuff, that's when you start getting into your your lesser grades and everything else that you can do different things with. And that's where they'll take that oil and they'll start, you know, preserving fish with it and stuff like that. That's basically what they're doing with tequila. That first pressing with their best agave, that's what they're going to use because you're not going to get flavor from anywhere else. It's got to be whatever's right there in that juice. And I think that's why people always assume age equals superiority. Right. And I think that's where tequila has, it's a lot more multifaceted. Right. Well, and, and you know what? I don't want a really old gin, you know? Yeah, I definitely don't want a really old gin. This gin's been sitting in my bathtub for six years. Um, <laughs> you want to taste? Fuck no. I think one of the other big selling points and one of the more memorable parts of this drink and this experience and the bars that we went to were the use of uh, grapefruit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It was something that stuck out to me that I definitely remember was, first of all, we went to four bars. One was a restaurant bar. One was a dive. One was a world-renowned craft cocktail bar. And one was a neighborhood bar. All four of them had grapefruit juice. In different shape or form, completely different bar, all had grapefruit juice. Some of them fresh, some of them already squeezed, and some of them in a can, which is completely different from all each other. Right. And uh, yeah, and even that, some pink, some white, but I think that was that was something that I was I was surprised by, especially the dive bar that we went to. Because yeah. I feel like the dive bar that we went to, which it's definitely a pitcher of beer and a couple of shots kind of bar. The fact, the fact that they had grapefruit juice, not only that, and speaking more to, I guess, the city itself or the neighborhood that we were in, said Paloma and the dive bar bartender, she was like, okay, here you go. and No questions asked, she did it, yeah. Whip, whipped up four Palomas right next to a pickled Sunday afternoon drunk who was just hanging out doing his thing. And I, I, I thought that that was admirable. A on, and again, all the bartenders that uh, that took care of us during that episode were fantastic. But B, it it really did knock my socks off. Now that we're thirty something episodes in to this podcast, one of our biggest struggles, especially with the first dozen or so, was finding the ingredients for the cocktails that I picked to put in the bag. I know half that's on me for being a dickhead sometimes, but. You know, classic cocktails are classic cocktails. Some people are going to have it. Some people aren't. It's a uh, a running theme slash gag <laughs> at this point when we can't find shit and when we have to bring ingredients to bars. It was a breath of fresh air that everybody had any everything that they needed to make a Paloma at all four bars. Hey, bartenders, buy fucking Campari. Yeah, right. Just stop yeah. finding it and buy Campari. Uh, even even I, who am not, I, I still am not on board with the Negroni. Um, yeah, that was really annoying. That was like a 10-bar day. I'm su- yeah, I'm surprised. Campari should definitely be an essential to any bar, whether you use it or not. That's like a standard. Especially in the South, between the Campari and like a Pimps bottle, that should be on every shelf. I, I, uh, I, I wanted to point out really quick, I, I do remember from the, from the episode how we saw an escalation of drinks. Where yeah. for the first time, where the first drink was good, but they yeah. just kept getting better. Right. Every time oh. we went somewhere, it just kept getting better, and I was very impressed with, you know, the quality, the, the cocktail overall. You know, I thought it was a great cocktail, but it was really cool to see how different people had different takes on it, and they all, you know, the, the, every drink I had that day improved upon the last. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I was very happy that uh, I picked those spots, and you know, uh, I, I put that list together for y'all and served purpose, and in a certain order. I definitely wanted to finish at the last bar, being like the really crafty bar. Right. Also, that uh, I found out who was working. I don't know if you guys remember, but the, the bartender that was working, his specialty is tequila and mezcal. Right, right. So go, go, going to there was like an absolute treat because this guy really made, I mean, to, uh, on the long line, I'd say he made the best one. Was it my favorite? Maybe not. But like, as, as overall, I'd say he definitely made the best Paloma you could get for your yeah. money, especially. And to extrapolate upon what Greg was saying, how many times have I said extrapolate so far in this episode? Six. Yeah, let's uh, let's <laughs> let's make that the drinking game for uh, for this episode. Yeah. So, <laughs> not only did the drinks, they yeah, to me they did get better, but it kind of felt it felt a little Zoolander to me. It felt okay. First bar made a move, and then the second bar made a move, and then extra. And I can't say extrapolate again. God no, damn it! Keep going. What, what, is, what does Bowie say? What 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 are the rules of a dance of a, of a, of a he walk off? He just says extrapolate over yeah, and over. He again. just keeps saying extrapolate. No, but uh, I think you guys know what I'm saying. They uh, it seemed like every bar we went to did something different and better. They took the last oh, yeah. drink, looked at it, and then improved upon it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And you didn't even use the word extrapolate. You know, uh, <laughs> fair enough. I felt by, by the time we get to the third and then the fourth bar, uh, not only I feel like we we were just in for a treat, man. I really felt like we had delicious cocktail all throughout. Like, even the less better one was still pretty good. And it just got better and better. And, like, you know, not to make myself, make ourselves look better, but I feel like we started knowing a thing or two about Paloma by the time we got to the fourth spot. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I feel like I got, like, I, re- I really felt like to a cocktail that I never really ordered, I've definitely had. I've made as a, a special to so different bars that I worked at. Holy shit, all of a sudden, I feel like I knew everything there was to know about a Paloma because I've had four fantastic ones in the course of, what, two hours, you know? Vincent, don't ever question about whether you're making us look better or not. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it turned out absolutely fucking phenomenal. It was a cocktail I never think about ordering, but holy shit, that was good. I don't even like, I'm not a huge tequila fan. That's not something I would pick to begin with. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not a grapefruit fan, but I've, I've learned in the last, like, four or five years that I do like grapefruits with things. Like, if a grapefruit's in a cocktail, then it's not going to push me away. Done the right way, right, right. Absolutely. So the Paloma, I was like, oh, it's tequila and, and grapefruit and soda, you know, about basis. It'll be different. I'm like, fucking right, bring it on. I'm excited about it, you know? And we were, and I feel, I feel like we got, we got really treated then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of being treated, and one thing that I wanted to point out, I do, I, I recall distinctly at the restaurant bar, the third one that we went to, I was I was supremely uh, and I know while we're still hearkening on this grapefruit thing, that bartender cut open two grapefruits and squeezed two grapefruits worth of juice just to make us cocktails. And that's something that at a restaurant bar you would see that in a craft cocktail bar. But I was supremely impressed by that. Yeah, that's awesome. That that was something like I think that helped uh, kind of heighten each of the drinks as we went along. I thought that was super awesome. And I may or may not have stolen that sense, but <laughs> right, we'll get to that in our final recommendations. So I think the only other real aspect to this cocktail, uh, because we didn't have it in the quote unquote traditional way, because we didn't drink it with squirt or any of the other. That's right. I want you to. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? 
the most. I actually, I, I do know what slurp is. So, but go ahead and describe. Wait, that. did you say slurp? slurp? <laughs> no, yeah, the the most popular grapefruit soda down in in Mexico and Central America. It is called squirt. Anyway, sorry. Go no, ahead. yeah. So squirt. we didn't have. <laughs> go, go ahead, squirt. It's a great word. Yeah. It's a great word. So, uh, no, but yeah, while we didn't have it uh, in the, quote, like I said, quote unquote, traditional method of having a grapefruit soda, everybody used fresh squeezed grapefruit. The only uh, real aspect that we hadn't discussed was the salt aspect. Some folks, some folks included a little bit in the drink. Uh, some did not. I definitely remember the, uh, the, the, the craft bar, the fourth one. He did almost like a seasoned, he did like a smoke salt rim on his glass. Yeah. And that was definitely, I mean, it was super unique. You do know what he put in there, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because I went, I went to Mexico a couple of years ago and I brought some of that stuff back. It's this product that they have called Tain. But mm-hmm. Tain is, it has a seasoning with it that comes with uh, salt and pepper and lime zest already all mixed together. Oh, okay, cool. So, so it, yeah, he put that on top of that too. So when I was in Mexico, even if you order, let's say, like the simplest margarita, they would put Tain on the rim, not just salt. Nice. And it just it just elevated everything. So of course that bartender, which by the way I found out recently that he is officially moving to Mexico. Oh no shit! He loves agave that much, huh? He's got a fucking Mexican girlfriend. He's moving there. Uh, <laughs> I was actually we've been joking about that dude doing that for a while. He's actually really doing it. So tell you, I seriously took that cocktail when he made it for us. That's fantastic. But yeah, that, that, a little point, you know, that's what um that's what he made. Which I, by the way, I can't get that product here. So I'll, I'll probably I'll give you some next time y'all here, so you can mess with that. It turns out that he was actually a member of the Zetas, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> infiltrating New Orleans through the craft cocktail trade. <laughs> no, well, uh, I don't know if agree or disagree, but to me, I was, uh, and you could go overboard, but uh, I a little bit of salt in this drink I thought was fantastic. Yeah, agreed, absolutely. And I think it was it might have been the third one that. They just took like a dash of salt and just put it into the drink that, instead of rimming it. That would be my point because my thing is I like salt on the rims of my drinks, but it has nothing to do with the fucking drink. It's just like salt. If yeah. the salt is going to do something to the drink, which this did, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of them going ahead and doing it for me, not because I'm an idiot, but because they say, no, look, it's supposed to be added. Like, I would actually think it would be cool if they did that with margaritas as well because I think it does work with the margarita, but I have to do... I don't know. You're asking me to now lick the rim of my drink as right. I drink the drink. And that's something I've never been huge into. But like we were saying, the smoke the smoke and the salt does add to this cocktail. It definitely gave the it a different tahine level. It was or great. whatever that was. That was oh, really that, cool. It was an absolute evolution to it. You know? So sure. I so I was really impressed by the third place that we went to when they did add it straight to the drink. Yeah. 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 I think we all kind of land in the same spot. Kosher salt on the rim is um, no thanks. I think I think we've covered all the avenues at this point. I uh, I think it's time for um. Do how do we how do we do a feat of strength here, Greg? I, I, I didn't think I, about I it. I don't I don't think we can. Yeah, I I think in in the Vincent in the, Vincent get a ruler measure your dick really quick. <laughs> all right, hold on one second. <laughs> God damn! Apparently. Get Vincent drunk enough, I will agree to everything you say. <laughs> and also cry about any celebrity director who just died that you looked up on Facebook. <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, Wes Craven, right? Was it Wes Craven? Yeah, it was. It was a four-minute tribute oh, to Wes Craven. Boy. Oh, man, I'm going to start crying again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's I fantastic. Get, I, I never get a chance to pick him for the movie Cursed. Mm. All right. I think we kind of know where all of our uh, all of our allegiances lie at this point, but our final thoughts and our recommendations for the Paloma. We can start with you, Vince. So, Paloma, if, uh, if you've never had it, if you see it on the cocktail menu, I would highly recommend it because uh, as much as of a sim- simple, with the simplicity aspects of that cocktail, being a what, a two to three part cocktail, it is uh, amazingly refreshing. Um, usually I tend to recognize that it was uh, kind of a bargain too, not, not an overpriced cocktail that tends to come or either on the rocks or tall. So I feel like you do, you have your buck for your money. In terms of flavor profile, it's something that's very tropical. Uh, and like I say again, I'm going to repeat myself, but like, like very simple. You can have a few without getting trashed, have a good time. Um, in my books, I, I give that one a nice, nice little B plus, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think, Greg? Uh, I loved it. I, I thought it was a really light, refreshing cocktail. It was perfect for you know, for what it was. It was a good way to showcase tequila. And, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, the, the correlation between tequilas and whiskeys and all the other d- different mm-hmm. cocktails. I think gin maybe stands alone a little bit on this, but tequila does have a, a, an ability to be very deep when you when you, when you age it. It can take on some additional flavors. And I do really appreciate a good aged tequila, but for this cocktail and for any tequila cocktail, it's got to be just a really fresh, clean Blanco, and that's what this was. It was a way to showcase a clean Blanco. Right, right. Um, yeah. And I really, really enjoyed the cocktail. I, I had a lot of fun. I, I would say at the very end, my favorite part of this, about this whole thing is that uh, it has nothing to do with the fucking drink or with liquor. I found some of the greatest pimento cheese in my entire life <laughs> on this trip. Which I, yes, you which did. I ended up eat, which I ended up eating all of it, by the way. Thank I, you. I understand. And so, well, so which I did. I went to New Orleans three weeks later and bought some more just because I was fucking, dis- I was depressed because I couldn't eat it. So, so just real quick, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I went to, we went to this one bar. It was our third stop. And they had a great craft cocktail set up but in addition to it they were a restaurant like a diner actually and mm-hmm. yeah. they serve what they called the, the the greatest pimento cheese and i'm not even i don't even really like pimento cheese i'm but, not a huge fan either and i taste it in full well my wife but, loves it and i said you know what let me get some for her because that'd be a really good thing to do to get some points and um and so i did and then like a drunk jackass uh shortly after i just left it at vincent's house in new orleans so i got home and i looked at i looked at my wife at bridget and i said bridget i bought you something amazing and we'll never get to know about it because i'm an idiot <laughs> and uh and so 3 weeks later i went down down to new orleans went back to that that place and purchased a giant gallon size of it and brought it home and we ate it with crackers in an uncomfortably short amount of time. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to add to that that, uh, by the way, anybody from New Orleans uh, that's lived uh, here uh, for like a year or, or more, hear this podcast, know exactly what restaurant you're talking about. I fucking guarantee you anything. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's famous for it. To kind of just put a cherry on top with everybody else, yes, I absolutely adore this drink after having it. As much as I dislike grapefruit, absolutely mm. loved loved everything about this cocktail i think um if you love it so much why don't you marry it i still <laughs> i may still the the last name wouldn't be that much of a stretch but um <laughs> i i still like i said in my never-ending battle to try and get different tequila drinks in here i still want to try and find a more uh a, a, a reposado drink 
that we're going to put in the bag. I haven't quite gotten there yet because I want to find something that I think is going to be a, a worthwhile for an interesting episode. But overall for the Paloma itself, not only am I completely for it, but full disclosure, since we did this episode, I liked this drink so much. Not only did I put it on my restaurant's bar menu for the summer cocktail menu, not only did I bring in a new Blanco tequila just to make this drink because I liked it so much, I actually, the, the place that I work at, we homemake our own ginger beer, and I reverse engineered that recipe, and I made my own grapefruit soda, so that way I don't have to go and buy a grapefruit soda from anywhere else. I homemade grapefruit soda so I could make my Palomas with it. And it's Damn. by far my favorite summer cocktail that we have on my restaurant's bar menu right now. It is fucking awesome. Beautiful. No, yeah, this uh, this cocktail uh, definitely. Uh, I I think in my personal opinion, I think it beats a margarita. Thumbs I, up. Thumbs I love up. It. Oh yeah, I love it. It's it's a much more it's a much more nuanced way to do a margarita. I, I think that's kind of like a, a a decent way to look at it. The margarita is very bold, and it is what it is, and everybody knows it. And right. Everybody loves it, and, right. it, it's, and it's much more much more interesting flavors. Uh, just a better cocktail overall, you know. I think I think we did it, boys. We did it, Vince. We did it. Thank you yep. so much for Paloma Redux. Uh, uh, this was this was a lot of fun. We'll, we'll either, A, we'll get down there and we'll get our recording equipment right uh, for a uh, future episode, or B, we got to get your ass back in Baton Rouge, and we'll uh, we'll get you back on the podcast real, real soon. Uh, either either way, it'd be, it'd be great to do that. If, uh, if you guys want to do definitely uh, a repeat for, like, between us uh, us three and, and Brett Tilden, I know you'd be, uh, you'd be all up for it, trust me. Hell yeah, make that quick 70-mile trip. Yeah, sweet, man. Thanks, Vince. We really do appreciate it, man. Uh, Gregory, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I wish we could have done this better the first time. Right. <laughs> um, guys, you're getting a much better version, um, even without the sound quality issues. Yeah. We were, I, I we, were really, so. we were really drunk. Okay, guys, I'm uh, going to go blog while knitting my own clothes. This has been a 4D production. You can find us online at 4DPodcast.com and on iTunes. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's 4 Deep. Remember to spell out the four. Thanks for listening. And look, we we are now recording this in our super new high tech fancy studio. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not because we haven't announced that we have a new studio yet. Oh, son of a bitch! I hate this time traveling aspect. Yeah, All right, cut that. You have to pretend like that hasn't happened. Oh, that's right. It's February, you guys, so it is not hot as balls in here. The Oscars just happened. How about Spotlight? <laughs> oh fuck! Spotlight. Oh god. <laughs> Travis. Because that was the same night. Yeah, 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 it yep. was. But, but hey, you know so, what? I bet Leo's going to finally win. Ooh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, I lo- Wait, what is it called? It's Warthog and the Chode here Chode, on 99.5. That's, that's what it is. Peas and peanut butter. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's just get to it. So Sex and Germans. That's how they go together. <laughs> Angry sex and Germans. Be specific. <laughs> Oh, you're putting two hands up into my punter. <laughs> my scheisser holen. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, that's that's how you say butthole, right? Yeah, yeah, I learned it I learned it on the set of Swooven 2. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that's, that's a classic. Oh, uh, Swooven. Something between Corky and I Am Sam, yeah. you know, but not quite, not, quite rain, not quite Rain Man. Super high-functioning. Corky and I Am Sam. <laughs> no, it's about it's, 
that's what I'm looking at right now. That was good. Yeah, that's the good. only difference though is that I am Sam worked at Starbucks, and that would never happen to somebody like me. I would definitely be at somebody that locally sourced all of their ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> the nitty gritty, the long and the short of it, Paloma. Oh, Greg, you didn't turn your cell phone off. Well, oh, you can't turn your cell phone off because Vince is recording on it. <laughs> Vince, live, Vince lives in my cell phone, so. <laughs> like, sometimes on these episodes, we kind of, like, brown out for 15 or 20 minutes, depending on how intense the drink was. This, the rest of that day is gone. I killed the guy. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there were tridents involved. Fucking crazy. <laughs>